so um, this morning, uh, so maybe we can have some, some maybe some thoughts or comments about yesterday. Does anyone have any uh, comments or anything about yesterday? Because yesterday we went into, okay, yesterday we went into, uh, and God brought us into his full thought, at least up to that point in our growth, about propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. <clears throat> and we were, and God was giving us, uh, I, I thought, I think we all agreed that God was bringing us some beautiful counsel on that particular subject. And of of course, propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. So, the whole point, the whole point of since the fall, since Adam and Eve fell, and all of mankind in him, we see this in Genesis three one to six, and this is based upon that sin nature that was passed on to each and every single one, on the principle of like begets like. So when Adam fell, we all, in this sense fell in him and of course by our own uh, that sin nature that we were born with in Psalm 51 and verse 5 and Psalm 58 and verse 3 of which we all were and that that sin nature was passed on in Romans 5 and verse 12. So from that point on there was still necessary what it was necessary that God would make himself known because on the principle, on that principle of God's nature, character, and essence, if it, if God is dealing, and he is, with his nature, character, and essence, then it's essential that he make himself known. And of course, the only way from, from the point of the fall, and this is brought out in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 15 to 21, we see very, very clearly how that God would make himself known still even when, even when there was a fall. Now, this was based upon <clears throat> the finished work in the eternal mind of God. Not that Christ did not have to come and be born of a woman in Luke 1 and verse 35, that 14-year-old peasant girl in, in John 1 and verse 14. The Word was made flesh, made, made and, and tabernacled himself in a human nature, not a sin nature, but a human nature. And so, because of, uh, because of uh, the fall, and because of the eternal, but God anticipated the fall of Adam in eternity, because Adam fell in, in time. So we see in time, time began in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3, to the end of the chapter, and then we can see how God rested in Genesis 2, 1 and 2. And that's what he was, he was teaching his, his creation. So, that's even the principle that even creation, God's physical creation, teaches teaches these truths of God making Himself known. So, Psalm nineteen one through six, with Genesis chapter one, verses three to thirty-one, the end of the chapter, make it clear that God still his, brings out His signature, and His signature has to do with His nature, character, and essence. So since the fall, it still was necessary that God would make himself known. You see that all through the Old Covenant, all the way into the New, all the way into eternity. So all of these facts, the facts of propitiation, 
substitution and reconciliation. All of this was done in Christ because obviously he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it says in Colossians 2 and verse 9, meaning he was filled up with all of who God is when he walked the face of the earth. So we see that Christ, he became the uh, the halasmos, the propitiation, so that those that would receive him in John 1 and verse 12 in, in the new covenant, but in the old, the all the sacrifices pointed to Christ's coming. And again, this was an eternal fact. We know this based upon Revelations 13 and verse 8. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so many times, Holy Spirit has taught us that he did not come to be a lamb slain. He came as one already slain in the eternal mind of God. The works in God's eternal mind were finished in Ephesians 4 and verse 3, but Christ came as the word to, to be that full manifestation and that revelation. So in terms of be, being propitiated, being, the, again, those Greek words, uh, helasmos, he is the propitiation, and then he becomes the place, the helisterion, becomes the place of our propitiation. So those two words bring out the beautiful truth, those words bring out our position Based upon our position in Christ and being in Christ some 86 times or more in the epistle to Ephesians in those six chapters, we are in Christ. Now, propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation has to do with our position. We are positioned in him. And that's what makes the fact that once we are positioned in him, in John 6 and verse 37 and 39, no man can, t and no created being, no man can tear us out of the Father's hand. So that means once we receive Christ, if we didn't merit it and we didn't, in Ephesians 2 8 through 10, was all by grace, okay, we did not will our way in apart from the finished will of God, which was Jesus Christ, in John 4 and verse 34, as he finished the work on Calvary. In John 19 and verse 30, you can't will your way out because once our will becomes united with Christ, who is God, we, ma we make it clear that whatsoever God does in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14, he does forever. He never changes his mind in Malachi 3, 6, <clears throat> in James 1 and verse 17, and, and Jesus Christ the same uh, uh, yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews 13, 8. So, based upon that, a believer can never will him way out of salvation because it wasn't his will that willed, it, willed its way in, apart from the finished will of Jesus Christ, the, the finished will of God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this goes into some incredible truths. For instance, in Titus 3, 5, it's not, it's not according to works of righteousness which we have done. No. But it was by the re regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And once God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all active in Christ Jesus in terms of that full propitiation that's ours. <clears throat> and so in John 10, 28 and 29, he again makes it very clear. Those scriptures make it very, very clear. You cannot lose what you didn't deserve to get. You cannot lose it. 
Okay? It's non-meritorious grace that brought us in, and once we're in, you don't get out. This has to do with the, with the proof and the teaching, the manifestation and revelation of the very nature, character, and essence of God himself, and propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation bring this out. What makes this important to understand the nature, character, and essence of God, meaning apart from propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Colossians 2, 2, 9, God would never have been able to make himself known. But because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his son, he makes himself known, still doing that to this moment, even in this time that we are in. Now, in terms of salvation, he's continuing to make himself known. This was brought out again. Uh, we saw very clearly in Second Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 16 to 21, the way it was brought out with those scriptures, how that we are born again, we are saved, we, are, <clears throat> we have been washed by the water, the water uh, of the word, and regenerated. Again, this is Titus 3 and verse 5. And this goes into uh, the beautiful principle of First John 1, 7, we're to walk in the light, which is Christ. He's our, he's our new image, our new character. And the, again, First John 1, 7 teaches, teaches character. It doesn't teach conduct. doesn't. So if anything in our conduct is not the equal of our character, of who we are in Christ, then in First John 1, 9, we confess it. We confess it. And, and then begin to function again in, in our character. And uh, so, and this is our growth in grace in Second Peter three and verse eighteen. So positionally, now, once we are born again, once you're once you're born again, you cannot lose, and I cannot lose, what I didn't earn. And even it brings out in Romans the eighth chapter, verses thirty-one to thirty-nine, make it very, very clear: it is impossible for principalities, evil angels. They can't do anything. Good angels, they wouldn't do anything but learn about the nature of their, their, their creator, Jesus Christ, through the church in 1 Peter 1 and verse 12. And nothing in death can separate us, and nothing in life, nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ where we're positioned. Nothing can do that. We see that in Romans 8, 31 to 39. This has to do <clears throat> with the finished work knowledge of God making himself known potentially for everyone. This is, again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. And this is making it very clear, making it known potentially for others. And then for, those, for others that aren't born again, those that aren't saved. And then for us, as his church, he brings this out very beautifully. He's making us in, in sanctification, and sanctification means that when we received Christ, instantly we were cleared, we were justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation in Romans 8.1. We were instantly, at the same time, set apart from everything that's old. There's the merit. That's set apart. And set into him who's unchangeable. Unchangeable. We're set into him. And this is... This is uh, sanctification in terms of positional truth. And positional truth, even in justification and sanctification, has to do with 
the fact that Christ is our, he's the propitiation, the substitution, and the means of our reconciliation. So we're positioned in him. Now we're going to grow in him in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, Titus 2, 11 to 14, bringing out these beautiful truths again. <clears throat> and so God in sanctification is now, once we're positioned in him, positional sanctification, the way sanctification is being taught through the scriptures, once we are in Christ, he's making us to become what he already made us to be. So he's making us, all of us, in Christ, individually, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, we're all members of that one body in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, where we have his body, flesh and bones in Ephesians 5, 30. And now he's making us to become what he already made us to be. He's making us to become in time, in our present condition on earth, in our growth, what he already made us to be in eternity past, in his son, never bypassing the gift of our will. To do that would mean that God would take away man's will, which he never did. He never took away man's will. Never. That's why people still function in, in evil wills towards God and hatreds toward and hatred towards him. But he never changes his mind about those that are truly born again. And up until the time of even an unsaved person, he's never willing that they perish. In, in Ezekiel 18 and verse 23 and 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. Now, once believers are, and a believer is one who is set eternally, positionally, in time, in Christ. And once that happens, now brings in progressive, what is some teach as progressive sanctification in growth and truth in 2 Peter 3.18. So he's making us to become in time, in our present condition, on earth, what he already made us to be in, in the son of his love, in eternity. And this brings out the reality of Ephesians 1 and verse 6. We were accepted in the beloved. We were accepted in the beloved. God never ever, never is evil ever attributed to God. <clears throat> it's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, meaning God knows himself and knows the thoughts in himself, how he thinks towards every, every person. Every person. God, he knows the thoughts uh, towards us. They're thoughts of peace and not evil. So that uh, uh, us, that a position to him can realize his plans. And this is again Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Those, those good works, the good deeds that Christ has finished for us to walk in. In 1 John 2 and verse 6. Following his steps in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. Meaning God has steps for each and every individual believer that are marked out. That means he's in control of every circumstance and situation based upon propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation that Christ is. So now that now we grow. And now we grow. And how do we grow? He's making, he's showing us propitiation in Christ so that even the areas where we have no teaching. When, when that teaching comes in, and that teaching comes in in John 16 and verse 13 and 14. The Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and he shows them unto us, those that are born again, so that they now 
are experientially reconciled in, in the areas where we receive the teaching, which is the equal of our position in him. And now what that and now we grow personally in our own intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. This goes into what is our eternity and waiting for us. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. We see through the word of God by faith. But then face to face. And that face to face meeting that we have in eternity will be the love that can never be ever again distracted or interrupted in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. And this goes into Revelations 2 and verse 17. We have that eternal intimate fellowship with him. Which will be the basis of our fellowship with one another for all eternity meaning we'll never know each other ever again outside of Christ, ever. And so we grow in that. Then we have the opportunity where it says, and now, now we're, we are in the wilderness. We are in the world, <clears throat> in John 17 and verse 16, but we are not of it because Jesus Christ was not of it in John 17 and verse 14. He wasn't of it. But now, once, once we're... The, the two reasons why are we still on this earth? Why once we're born again? Doesn't he just take us home? Many have said, oh, that's all I care about. I just want get, to get, get to the end of my life here and get this life over with and, and can't wait to go to heaven because I'm born again. God has much more, much more. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 21 brings it out. We, he has much more for us than that much more that's preparing us for our eternal meeting with Jesus Christ. There's much more that he has for us in terms of our growth. The unchangeable nature and character and essence of God. Jesus Christ again, the same yesterday, today and forever. Whether it's time or it's eternity, he's never changed, not one iota. He never changes his mind about a love that's captured us through receiving Jesus Christ, his son. <clears throat> can't earn your way in. You can't merit your way in. You can't demerit your way out. It was all by grace. Again, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. So we're here for number one reason, to grow in him. Positional sanctification, bringing out the truth and progressive, progressive growth in that sanctification. Then what else? We're still in the world. Why? Then we're to become lights for others. We're going to beseech them. We have this ministry. Think about that. God has given in, in growth, in all our growth, God has given us this ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5.18. That's what every single believer has. There to be that written epistle in 2 Corinthians 3, 1 to 6. Specifically verses 2 and 3. Because in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 3, he's our sufficiency. Because who is sufficient for these things? In 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, it's Christ himself who is the very mind. We have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. We have that. We've been given that. So we have this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. As though God did beseech you by us, in us, with Christ in us. Be reconciled to him. Be reconciled. Receive Christ as your Savior, like we have. 
He's our, he's our substitute. Potentially, he's yours. And then in the types that teach us in Leviticus 1.4, each individual, not a priest, not anyone other, no, there's one mediated between God and men. It is the man, Christ Jesus, in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. It's no priest. It's no go-between. Each individual has to place their hand on the sacrifice. This is brought out in the type in Leviticus 1 and verse 4, bringing out the lots. Propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. We can see that in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. You can look in those first 14 verses, even down to 27, to realize the beauty of this truth. This is bringing out, again, propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. And so now we have the privilege not only to grow in him, Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared unto all. It's appearing unto all. We, we're his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5.20 as we grow continually. The grace of God that has appeared unto all teaches us to deny all ungodliness and all these lusts and to live soberly and righteously in this earth while we look for that great God, our Savior, the appearing of him who has dealt with all of our sins. This is bringing out Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14. This is our privilege. To, it's a privilege, not earned, but is our privilege based upon who we are in Christ because who he is in us based upon who we are in him. This is a privilege that we can grow now but also become his witnesses, give a testimony. Like all of those in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, read those, those 40 verses there. They were all, test, they gave written testimony. They were testimonies, living testimonies of Christ in them. And this is where we become his ambassadors. For he, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, Jesus Christ the Son, to be the sin sacrifice for us. The sin sacrifice. He made him to be the sacrifice for us. For, for, for the perfection of righteousness. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He's the perfection of, of the very righteousness of God. And this is based upon Genesis 22 and verse 8. We said yesterday, as, as the Holy Spirit was teaching all of us, that Abraham and Isaac went up on Mount Moriah. They went up there. And... Abraham did not have to sacrifice Isaac. God had to sacrifice his son. This brings out the beauty and the truth of propitiation, substitution, and this reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation because we've been reconciled positionally. Now God can use us as we grow to be his ambassadors. That's every believer's position. Every man and woman and children even. Because even out of the mouth of babes, in Psalm 8 and verse 2, he's ordained strength. Meaning even a child, once born again, once receiving Christ, having uh, the freedom of a will to make choices, reaching the age of accountability, they can confess that and God can use a child. And, and that's his desire. And that's how he makes himself known. He makes himself known right now. The only way he's making himself known right now on this earth is through us, his church.
We are built upon the foundation that Christ is in Matthew 16 and verse 18 and 1 Corinthians 3, 11 and 12. We are built up on that foundation, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 12. That foundation is Christ. And we, we learn not to build on anything else. In Matthew 7, 24 to 27, we only build on that foundation in our growth. And God can, and can and God glorifies himself through Christ in us who has glorified him in John 17 and verse 5 and in John 13, 31 and 32. And God forbids us as we grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He forbids us to glory and God forbids that I should glory in the world. The whole world is crucified. All, Satan's whole world has been crucified. What does that mean? He's dealt with the enemy, with us in Christ. Not others that haven't yet been received Christ and been born again and brought into the body of Christ to become a particular member in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. But we have that potential. Isn't that awesome? What a privilege. What, a, what an incredible privilege that we have. And so, Father, we are thankful this morning for this incredible privilege that we have. We are so thankful, Lord, that we can continue to grow, that you're making us to become, in time, in our present condition, what you've already made us to be, based upon your eternal mind, your eternal mind. Yes, Christ actually had to come and fulfill it. He had. He is, Christ himself, is the fulfillment of all the types and all, all of how God will deal with prophecy in terms of judgment on the earth. Thank God there isn't any for us. Don't buy the lie. You do not have to go. The church does not go through the tribulation period. Revelations 3 and verse 10. He doesn't deliver us through it. The Greek word dia, he takes us out, ek. And that's why we're the church called ecclesia, called out ones. He calls us out of the world. He hasn't yet taken us out of the world because we're to be his ambassadors and we're to grow and be his ambassadors. And this brings out the beautiful truth of these particular truths. There is no wrath for us. This is based upon John 3 and verse 36, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. Wrath does not abide on us anymore because Christ took our place as our substitute based upon propitiation to be our substitute whereby we've been reconciled positionally. Now we're growing in it on this earth, ready to see him in eternity face to face. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now hold on for one second. So if there's any, does anyone have any questions or, or comments? Anyone have any questions or, or comments of the truth that God's given us. And if not, that's fine too. But we just want to give uh, individuals, this happens to be a few of us this morning that are hearing it live, but multitudes. Uh, but if there isn't any, and we just need to meditate on these, and sometimes it takes a lot of this Meditation, and meditation is not necessarily learning something new. It's that we need to meditate on it so that we can grow and then the Holy Spirit can take the things of Christ so that they make sense to us. But of course they won't. And this is the learning principle of humility. The beautiful privilege of being humbled by God so that he can exalt us 
and First Peter 5 and verse 16 and to show us the inheritance that we have in Christ. So, if there are no more, if no one has a comment or a question, then we can close. Okay.